Welcome to another installment of Studio Sessions with the Madams. Today we're talking with the true pioneer in television. She's the first Japanese person to win an Emmy for art direction. You've seen her work on female-driven shows like Dollface, The Mindy Project, and Agent Carter. Most recently, she served as the art director on the masterpiece that is WandaVision. Welcome to the show, Shikako Suzuki. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you. This is a great way we felt to really wrap up WandaVision. It's kind of like decompression meets therapy meets behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chicago, can you give our listeners a quick primer on what an art director does? Well, basically, the production designer designed the whole vision. And we, the art directors, bring the vision to the reality that means, you know, we actually uh, work with the set designers who draw sets and then, you know, uh, bring the drawing to like a 3D model or, you know, something else. And then, you know, bring it to construction and start building stuff. So the production designer has the big ideas and we break down those big ideas into, you know, small parts and make things too real. That's what we do. Okay. We understand that you actually stumbled upon your field when you were pursuing your BA in theater because the mm-hmm. costume the costume class you actually wanted to take was full. Is that true? Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you discover in that set design class that really hooked you? Well, you know what? I you know, I just had the great professor there and he just inspired me. I always liked drawing and building things since I was a child. But mm-hmm. that point, yeah, I was more drawing to like makeup and like costumes. Mm-hmm. But then okay. this, you know, this uh, professor, John Wilson, he just brought something out from me and, you know, it just, just something clicked. And I just enjoyed his classes and, you know, I just enjoyed designing spaces. Yeah, having a good professor can really change your outlook on certain things. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. How do you think, how would you say your Japanese roots have inspired your work? And what films and shows have influenced you the most? You know, that's a good question. Because I never thought, like, you know, while I'm, like, working, I mm-hmm. I don't really think that I'm Japanese, you know? Because <laughs> I, I never get jobs because I'm Japanese, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. The only thing that happened to me in my career was that, you know, Akira, do, do you guys know Akira? The um, It's a comic yes, book. Yes, I've heard of it. Yes, yes. My, my husband loves it. Oh, really? So, yeah. they, you know, Warner Brothers, um, they were supposed to make Akira live version of it. So... Then, you know, this, they called me to art direct. So that was the only time, you know, I was picked just because I, I'm Japanese. Okay. But other than that, you know, I n- never really hired just because I'm Japanese. So when I'm working, I don't really think that I'm Japanese, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I really don't know if my roots does something to do with my work. Um, you know, of course, there are you know great Japanese films and stuff, but I was always influenced by more like Western stuff. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, 
that, that was the whole reason I went to the U.S., you know, to study. Were there particular movies and shows that, as a kid, you saw and were just awed by? Yeah, like Back to the Future and then, oh, you know, maybe, maybe if it's, you know, something to do with Japanese part, I love the Karate Kid. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Ralph Macchio to thank uh-huh. for WandaVision is what you're telling us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, you know, it's, it's so funny to see you know, the way WandaVision has gone around the globe and become so popular in so many cultures. And ba- it's funny you say Back right. to the Future because that movie was one of the first films that did the same thing. Mm. Really just got around the world and mm-hmm. spoke to people in, in different ways. And you know what? Come to think of it, that movie is as bonkers as WandaVision when you really think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then maybe maybe another movie is like a Star Wars, you know, that was big in Japan when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think that was big globally everywhere. Uh-huh. So you've worked on a number of shows that center around strong women, like Dollface mm-hmm. and Medium. We mentioned Agent Carter earlier. Mm-hmm. Is your interest in telling women's stories part of what drew you to WandaVision? You know... I, I think it's just a coincidence, you know. I never really thought about it till you said to me, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. I yeah. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's very interesting. I never thought about it, but yeah, it is true. <laughs> <laughs> Strong women. Yeah. But you know what? The funny thing is that whenever it's a story about strong women, the art department mm-hmm. tends to be like like a woman our department kind of you know <laughs> mm-hmm. well and we we certainly know we certainly noticed that with wandavision that behind mm-hmm. the scenes like mm-hmm. women galore and we absolutely loved it from the writing staff to the production team everyone yeah yeah i i, I thought it was great you know had you experienced that before not for not for the whole production you know sometimes yeah i work in our department uh with like a bunch of women you know but right. whenever you go outside of our department, it's kind of like a men's world, you know. But uh, Wanda Vision, yeah, there are lots of women on the, at the you know, like, like wherever I went, you know, there were women. So it was kind of good in a way. And definitely I saw that the industry is changing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and Marvel is really taking the lead on that, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Marvel, uh, you worked on Marvel's Runaways and Agent Carter prior to WandaVision. Mm-hmm. What what do you think made WandaVision different from those other Marvel shows? You know what? Um, so other shows were shot as an episodic, mm-hmm. you know, but the WandaVision, I was told that at the beginning, um, so this show is going to be shot like long movie, you know, like a six hour movie. Right. Right. So the shooting style was really different. We always had a Matt Shakma as a director from beginning to the end. Right, mm-hmm. right. Big difference there. Yeah, uh-huh. So that was a big difference. So like, yeah, so it's like, you know, making a huge movie. So everything was big, you know, big art department, um, bigger budget, lots of right. sets, you know. So, yeah, it was, it was a different situation compared to other shows. 
And in terms of timeline, would you say that it was more rushed or less rushed because it was uh, shot like a movie? It depends. It depends. Just because we had the COVID lockdown, mm-hmm. that kind of changed the things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the weather was challenging because uh, we shot the first part in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, the weather in Atlanta is totally different from the weather in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, it certainly is. <laughs> yes. Were you, were you melting? <laughs> no, we were not melting, but like, you know, it rained a lot. And, you know, of course, it got colder, much earlier than LA. So, <laughs> so that, that was tough. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so the sets were in LA. But the outside scenes were done in Atlanta? No, actually, we built some stuff at the stages in Atlanta. So like all the okay. sitcom stuff, you know, was, was shot in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we came back for like a Westview exterior, um, like in right. t- town stuff and around the Wanda and the Vision's house. Those mm-hmm. were shot in LA. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I just, in fact, I saw uh, Marvel's Assembled, the documentary on making of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that for the studio audience, the live studio audience, they even had era-appropriate chairs for the audience. Uh, yes, we did. So you changed that for every episode? Uh, not for the whole episode, because we okay. didn't have an audience for all decades. Right, just episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. But for that scene, yeah, we did build the audience, you know, risers, and then like we chose the right look for that chair and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The detail was just absolutely incredible. We couldn't believe oh, thank it you. watching thank each you. week. <laughs> so, how did shooting in COVID conditions affect? your work and the artistic choices you had to make? Uh, not so much for the artistic choices, but obviously it was a big challenge for the whole crew, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, like we had to take PCR, we had to get tested like three times in a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And then we had to, you know, yeah, like, you know, to take a temperature every day and get wristband and, of course, wearing masks and the face shield. And that was a whole new thing for us. And then, mm-hmm. like, all the caterings changed and the craft service changed. <laughs> you know? Right. So, there, yeah, like, new things we had to use to. But, you know, we did get managed. No one, no one got uh, covid and drink, you know, the shoots, which was great. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. So, yeah, there are some, ch- like, changes and challenges, small challenges at the set, but not so much for design choices, I think. Did it affect your timelines in terms of turnover for the various episodes, how to make changes for the sets and things like that? Uh, we had to change locations because of the lockdown. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big, yeah, that, that was the biggest challenge for the art department. Because originally we designed something for different uh, location, like a whole thing. But then mm-hmm. we lost the location. So we had to modify design okay. to the new location. So that was kind of rush. Well, I will say this as somebody who was born and raised actually in New Jersey, 
I'm glad you didn't have to actually go there. <laughs> as I've explained to Amy, it's not a place you go uh-huh. to. And, and Wanda's learned this now as well. It's not a place you go to. It's a place you go through. <laughs> we know that typically the production design team on a show builds the atmosphere of the script. Mm-hmm. But WandaVision is a really unique show. So was choosing the sitcoms by decade more a more collaborative effort between you and the writers? Um, yeah, definitely. There was a yeah, um, that was a collaborative effort between our department, director, writers, you know, producers. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, we looked into all the um, popular sitcoms for the decade, and right. we, we picked you know parts from those um, sitcoms and then we modified the designs of course to mm-hmm. fit to that to our story so how did you go about choosing those like for instance did you mm-hmm. did you work with the actors at all and take a look at their particular strengths as actors and match that up in any way with certain characters because looking at Paul Bettany's performance uh-huh. In those in that first episode, uh-huh. and Elizabeth Olsen, they nailed Dick Van Dyke. They nailed yeah, Lucille Ball. They yeah. were amazing. So how yeah. much how much did that factor in their own skills? Well, I mean, as you know, they are amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, so we didn't have to doubt their ability whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we did look into Dick Van Dyke for the fifties set. So, you know, there are some, like, we, we did pick some shows to look into. And I don't know how actors studied those, you know, original series. But there, there was something, yeah, we could kind of follow, too. And then, of course, you know, director, his grandma, Shackman. And then, like, you know, he worked with actors and made that, you know, great show happen. Right. So, yeah, we, we didn't need to really think about acting or anything like that. But we just, yeah, look to those, you know, popular sitcoms for that decade. And we try to create the world. I mean, I think that's fantastic because it shows what trust everyone Mm -hmm. had in the Mm -hmm. cast to pull Mm -hmm. this off so seamlessly. What Mm -hmm. was your history? Did you have any familiarity with American sitcoms throughout the decades? Um, you know, I did watch some of them. Like, you know, in Japan, like they were showing Bewitched, uh, Family Ties. Uh, Family Ties was actually big. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> I remember watching those. But yeah, it's like, it's not a big thing in Japan. But, right. but there, there are some like sitcoms from the US, you know, um, broadcasted. So would it be safe to say that this would be your first time working for something knowing that it would be black and white? Uh, you know what? Actually, there's there something else I worked on and it was like a black and white. Okay. Yeah, I forgot, but yeah, I've done it before. Okay. So how different is it for you knowing that the set is going to be showing in black and white versus color and what other type of changes you needed to make in order to do that? Um, so for this show, we really, we got picky about um, color choices, right. especially for black and white. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, when you look through black and white camera, things are kind of different, you know, like right. 
if we are looking at the red in real life, when you look through that black and white camera, it it's it's you know it's different. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. Like if you look at like those black and white sets in mm-hmm. with your like real eyes, mm-hmm. colors are a little bit off in a way. I think. Like yeah, you, they do. Yeah, you wouldn't pick those colors in real life, but just because we are shooting it through black and white, we had to pick this color or like this shade kind of thing, you know? Right, like how mm-hmm. uh, vision was blue rather than yes, red. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And there were, from, from what I saw in the documentary, it was a lot of pastel colors. Mm-hmm. So that was intentional because of the black and white. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then like, you know, we normally make like color boards or like color mm-hmm. samples. It's like right. a two by two sheet and then we just paint the color, right? Correct, um, right. We had a I mean we had a, so many boards in our office. I mean I had never seen that many color samples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for each decade you need to have a different mm-hmm. palette. Yeah. Right. And even like, you know, like a seventies set, that was like a technicolor. So it's Correct. different from, you know, what we normally see. So that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was another tricky thing. So how was that different for, uh, from Technicolor versus regular color today? Uh, it's just like how you see it through the camera. It, it just shows up differently, you know, because okay. the lens is different. So again, yeah, we had so many, like it kind of looks same kind of colors, but just a little different um shades and like we had so many samples like that and we looked through the technical camera and picked uh-huh. okay this color that color kind of thing so we had a we had a test day like camera test okay and that went on for a long time it just took us so many you know, hours <laughs> to pick colors right okay yeah so it's kind of like, like I have history with graphic design. So for mm-hmm. me, you'd say it's like how looking at different colors through different monitors to see mm-hmm. how oh, it yeah, looks. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, just like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Episode two was amazing when the show transformed at the very end from mm-hmm. black and white to color. It was like watching The Wizard of Oz. Mm. When Dorothy <laughs> first gets into Oz, it was just Incredible to have that awe again, despite living mm-hmm. in 2021 and normally watching things in color. It was just masterfully done. Yeah. Yeah, the editing team was great too. Cause like, you know, I don't normally watch the show I work on, <laughs> but I mean, I should, <laughs> but I don't. But like, you know, I mean, everyone was talking about WandaVision and I'm like, oh, you know, I should watch it. And I watched it and I was like, oh my God, they did such a great job, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but because by the end of it, you're tired of working on everything. You just don't want to touch it anymore, yeah, right? Like I, I, yeah, I get, I get burned out. So <laughs> we, we understand we burned out just from watching it. So I totally get it. <laughs> so do you have the same overall objective for production design for the entire show? Or was it more thematic because of the various decades? Um, of course, there, there's some theme for the decade. Because mm-hmm. as I said, you know, there was real sitcoms we kind of followed. Right. So there's some like, yeah, theme for each decade. And then like there's this, you know, MCU world, which is totally right. like different, you know. 
So I right. think there are some like a theme to like every decades or like every world, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in terms of set design and costumes, which set the tone for the other? Or was that more of a simultaneous collaboration? It's simultaneous collaboration for sure. And I think costume team, they did a wonderful job too. Like, you know, because each decade they, you know, actors showed up with those costume and like wigs. And we are like, you know, oh my God, it's great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was always fun to watch, you know, what they come up with. Maze mm-hmm. Rubio did the costumes, correct? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. she's, a, she's a Marvel veteran. She knows what. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's, <laughs> she's wonderful. Yeah, like I think it was like eighties, um, like eighties stuff. Like we we are totally like a laughing, you know, when like when Paul showed up on set, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely suffered costume wise. <laughs> <laughs> I give him a lot of credit for his Mexican wrestler outfit. <laughs> And give Elizabeth Olsen credit for seeming like she's utterly in love with him when he looks as ridiculous as he does. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. In terms of the sets and mm-hmm. the aspect ratios for the various decades, they mm-hmm. keep kept changing. Yeah. How much did you have to keep that in mind while working on the sets and all those various little knickknacks that are there on set? Um, you know, we didn't really need to think about aspects of ratio for okay. those, you know, uh, things. Just be- just because, like, in you know, sitcoms, like, um, like, a 50s, 60s, I mean, I guess 60s, we had a four walls, but 50s, definitely, we had a only three walls set. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that, yeah, we didn't really need to think about it. Well, it's funny you mentioned the walls. You guys had us losing our minds with those walls and the layout of that house. <laughs> you know, now that we have it, we should get all the secrets out. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the process for the layering of the show in terms of just the base production design and putting in all those Easter eggs? Uh-huh. I mean, it's just, you know, collaborative uh, effort by our department and set tech department, of course, course construction. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we had uh, so many people put our hands on those sets. Yeah. And and, uh, like in a set decoration, too, it was, I'm sure it was like a real challenge for them, you know, Mm -hmm. to look for those periods, furniture to like appliances. And especially yeah, being on location, things are different from LA, you know? Because mm-hmm. like in Los Angeles, there are like prop houses where caters those historical stuff. So it's easier for right. us to find things. But Atlanta, yeah, actually you got to go to like antique stores or order stuff from eBay or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So things are more like challenging. Yeah, and Atlanta seems to be really turning into a production hub, especially for Marvel. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, because when we are shooting, there are two other shows for Marvel at the same studio. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. And were those Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki? Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
we we just took a while to guess it. Right. Yeah. I was I was debating whether I should ask or are we gonna get kicked off right now? (laughs) (laughs) Um as far as the Easter eggs and, and everything, we just have to applaud the incredible nerd dedication that went into oh the show <laughs> off the charts yeah 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 i mean of course like you know marvel fans they know more about it mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> than i do because <laughs> um, you know they would catch things like i didn't know about you know it's like wow right yeah of course we talked about it but um the Marvel world is just so deep, you know, it's, like mm-hmm. it's, it's so big. And of course, like we did some researches, like, you know, we of course watched uh, previous movies and things, but like, but you know, we didn't have time to read all the comic books. Yeah, that's impossible. So did you read some or any at all? I, you know what, comics books I didn't get to read. Um, okay. I, I did some internet search. <laughs> but... <laughs> Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh-huh. So what was your favorite decade or sitcom style to recreate? You know, just because I was like assigned to, so I I did enjoy like 70s, kind of like a Brady Bunch kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's how I enjoyed building and the exteriors to go with it. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything to do with the boots? That were on the show. We've got to mention the boots. Elizabeth Olsen's boots, Catherine Hahn's ah, boots. That. Everybody had amazing boots, and that's one of the ways we knew so many women were involved in this show. Ah, uh, that's uh, I guess it's a costume department. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did a wonderful work. Um, yeah, they did absolutely. Yeah, everything just blended so well, right down to the kids' overalls. Everything. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, costume on the show is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And they certainly have the budget for it for all those decades. And you don't see anything being repurposed anywhere. Uh-huh. I'm, I, you know, I'm sure they got some like vintage clothes, you know, from vintage stores and things. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, I, my office wasn't closer to costume department office. So I don't know what was going on in, in that department. But Okay. But like, you know, whenever I, I saw the costume on set, I'm like, oh, oh, wow, you know. <laughs> and especially me, you know, wanted to be a costume designer once. Right. You know, yeah. I was admiring looking at those costumes. So, Shikaku, do you have any upcoming projects you can tell our listeners about? Um, I can't really talk about it now, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I am about to jump on something like tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Well, then yeah. we, we extra appreciate you joining us now, then. <laughs> <laughs> so while we know you are also an active uh, environmental activist, are there mm-hmm. any philanthropic causes that you'd like to shine a light on today? I mean, environmental stuff, yeah, definitely that's you know, what I'm uh, interested in. Um, so when I was in LA, I was like a planting trees, you know, at the park and things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, global warming, that really scares me. Um, So, you know, now I'm in Tokyo and they're talking about cherry blossom start to bloom, right? Right. And those those days are like getting earlier and earlier, 
every year. Mm-hmm. And that means, yeah, you know, the the global warming is happening. Mm-hmm. And right. of course, you know, there's always like a big earthquakes or like a typhoon, hurricanes and things. So that really worries me. And I don't know what I can do about it by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, you know, I try to be really cautious about like recycling or like, you know, just, just try to live sustainably. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely that's something I care about. And I wish I can do more to solve that problem. Yeah, well, you're not alone. A lot of us yeah. definitely feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, true. That's good. That's good. All right. Chicago Suzuki, thank you so much for being here. We wish you all the best on your you. uh mysterious upcoming project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I can talk about it someday. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and well, we certainly hope to see you wherever you end up. We hope to see you as part of the Marvel Universe again. Thank you. Thank and you. And we would having... love to have you back again if possible. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, online, um, hmm, uh, I have my website, uh, mm-hmm. That's my own uh, homepage. And also I'm on Twitter and Instagram. So my handle for Twitter is chikakoart and Instagram is chikakoart two number two <laughs> okay. um yeah I, you know i i screwed up setting up my account for instagram <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> we understand we, we have a love-hate yeah. relationship with instagram we get it <laughs> so we'll be we'll be adding those to our show notes so listeners can okay. find you all right great all right so thanks so much thank you bye-bye bye so now we have a homework assignment for you guys Go find Ralph Macchio on Twitter, Instagram, wherever he might be, folks, and thank him. Because apparently without Ralph Macchio, there would be no WandaVision. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to all of you for joining us today for our conversation with WandaVision art director Shikako Suzuki. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us Wednesday for our regularly scheduled programming, which will be a breakdown of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 2. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr at Marvel Madams. And visit themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. 